everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. What does ride the gray mean to you? Everyone's got their own interpretation, and therein lies the beauty of nuance. Callie, what the hell are you even talking about? Well, Allie Kirshner is not only the Associate Olympic Sports Performance Coach for women's golf and basketball at Stanford, but she is also obsessed, in the best possible way, with the concept of lateral thinking. She believes wholeheartedly in asking difficult questions, embracing awkward situations, and seeking unconventional solutions. Pulling influence from all different facets of the non-strength and conditioning world allows her to amass a broader view and show up more effectively for her athletes. This is the influence for her mantra and the podcast, Ride the Gray. Truly a cutting-edge coach with a noble endeavor. Here it is, episode 395. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is Luke. And Tex. And Jean Wellborne, a.k.a. Bobblehead John, is here. Friend of the podcast. Special guest. He's bobbing right now. And you're probably like, wait a minute, podcast, these guys are talking to me. This is Luke, this is Tex. Jean Wellborne, friend of the podcast. What podcast am I listening to? That's easy. Power Athlete Radio, which is the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an epic show today, but first, our shameless self-promotion. We're not, this isn't about us, what we're about to talk about. This is about you, the listener. Did you know? I'm pointing at the camera. I get it. So I can see, oh, because they can't see it. Our listeners don't know. Because we have been spinning up some epic clips, some epic episodes of Power Athlete Radio and dropping them on YouTube. YouTube is hot, hot, hot. And that is thanks to our new hotline. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. In case you've been living under a cave and not listening to our crew episodes, you know the hotline is open. So if you're a first-time listener, first-time caller, we want to hear from you. The number to the Power Athlete Radio hotline is 929-464-4640. That's 929-ING-ING-0. Call up. Ask us a question. Let us know what you want to hear about. Is it training? Is it nutrition? Is it coaching? Is it mindset? Are you going on a first date and you need tips and tricks? I want to get like some of those texts. So I'm going to really jockey hard for some of that. I'll call. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Step one, cancel your date. Call your homies. Uh, (laughs) Go out with them. The, um, yeah, but let us know. Why not just bring them on? The homies on the date? Yeah. We've tried that. It worked fine. (laughs) It's a great move. But ladies and gentlemen. experience. Yes. But the, the hotline is, it's been a great tool and, Many athletes on our training programs, when Mm -hmm. they drop questions to the feed, we encourage them to share. Yeah. And so we deep dive on specifics, whether it's Grindstone, Jack Street, Field Strong, or training in general, Mm -hmm. to answer and empower your performance. That's right. We're here for you, people. We're here for you. And a lot of this stuff gets spun up and put on YouTube. So go head to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. We got all sorts of content coming out that's not podcast as well we have some movement demos movement deep dives things like that stuff that'll help you empower your performance and take your training to the next level so check it out go to youtube search power athlete you can't miss it it's the logo it says power athlete it's us go there smash that subscribe button yeah baby and um 
Yeah, give us a call. 929-464-464-0. But today, Tex, we, we ride into the gray. We do. No, we ride the gray. Yeah. Not, which is a donkey. Not Liam Neeson or a donkey. What? How dare she? It's the wave. Damn you, Allie. Today we have Allie Kirshner, the mm-hmm. Stanford Associate Sports Performance Coach for Stanford Women's Basketball mm-hmm. and Women's Golf. Yeah, and protege of Power Athlete Radio alum, Ms. Hootie. That's right, right. Coach Hootie, uh-huh. University of Texas Women's ba- uh, Men's Basketball, and then pals with the University of Texas Women's Basketball. Double Z, Zach Zillner. Yeah. And yeah, Power Athlete. Pal. Drinking bro. Yeah. Zach Zillner, shout out. And we get into... A lot of different conversations. Mm-hmm. Her her journey in athletic career as Duke University of Duke's women's soccer team's goalie yep. into coaching adventures and then now leading, coaching, hiring, yeah. communicating. It and gives me hope, man. Like you'll get, you guys are gonna hear on the podcast. Like I just have, I, I'm very skeptical of where the expertise and personality types lie within that space. And it's unfortunate because, like, it's such a ripe time to affect change and influence a young person's life. And it's like, a, it's a, and it's a domain where it's like, it's not school. You know what I mean? It's not sport. It's kind of this interesting safe space where you can really break down barriers in, like, it's such a huge opportunity. And it's cool to hear how Ali is, uh, like, recently kind of seen the opportunity and transformed her her approach to coaching and trying to now influence change across the industry. So it's, it's really cool, really cool to hear her story. Yeah. I mean, we, we get into that, that platform that she's utilizing to empower her girl or women athletes, and then the, the industry in itself, mm-hmm. just the change there. We also explore her new podcast. Yeah. And Tex and I get to answer some of the interesting questions. Mm-hmm. that so, She asks her guests uh, in terms of how they're broadening and creating a more a wide base for lateral type of thinking. Yes. And great time, great show. And I highly recommend diving into, to her podcast. If you want to laterally think and challenge Mm -hmm. your perspective and all of your components, whether you're a strength coach, a parent, or just an enthusiast of training. And if you are a devout listener to power athlete radio, we have a question for you and you don't have to answer it out loud. You can, if you want, but it's going to be relevant (laughs) later in the podcast for text. You'll have to wait till the very end. What type of kitchen appliance would you classify? Would you say Tex and I best most represent? Is that how the question goes? Yeah. Go ahead and tweet or Instagram us. Yeah. And then in ninety minutes, see if we. I wish I would have answered mine more accurately, but I'm going to go with it. Oh, are you kidding? If if you asked me for you, <laughs> I would have answered that same response. To be clear, it's the old school one, not the new school one. I don't hope that's not a giveaway. Well, you're going to have to to share that okay. image on Instagram so they know what the hell you're talking about. All right, whatever. Whatever, people. And so listen in. Enjoy the show. Anything else? Text? No, I, I had a great time. Yeah. How about you, Bobblehead John? He's bobbing. Are you ready to go? He appears to be nodding. Is shaking no? No? Well, too bad. We're going anyways. Ready, ready. Here we go. Allie, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been about a month since we last connected, I believe, more or less. Yeah, about that. And Allie and I first connected. Yeah, tell us. Tell us more. Brett Bartholomew's The Apprenticeship. All right. Shameless plug into I had an amazing time. I. How did you feel? 
Oh, it was incredible. I think I felt overwhelmed and embarrassed and slightly, you know, my, uh, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest with you, but I got a ton out of it. I just was a weekend where I got completely mind fucked. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Brett's got a good, good thing going on. And Allie and I were sitting next to each other and unbeknownst to us, we had a lot of mutual friends in the business from Kansas that are now at the University of Texas, a couple of my pals. So why don't you lead us off your introduction, your athletic career into your coaching career and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, shout out to our boy, Zach Zillner, who uh, is probably one of those mutual connections. It's like a brother to me. It's his birthday today. Oh, so, it, is, uh, it is. Yeah. Oh, boy. He asked me what I was doing this weekend, but we got plans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. You might need to cancel him. Birthdays any day with Zach. Come on. That's yeah, like right? the best day of the year. He's the mayor of Austin. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. So, uh, yeah, I can I can jump into a little bio. Um Born and raised in Palo Alto, California, Bay Area, for those who are, um, you know, not from California. And I played every sport growing up, was very average at, at many of them. Um, actually, we were laughing the other day. I ended up picking soccer. I was really just like a not super motivated kid. Like I played every sport, but I was not exactly the most like talented on the field so before every practice I would get out before I would get out of the car my mom would have to sing me a song to help motivate mm-hmm. me um, I think it went something like I'm alive awake alert enthusiastic and then she'd send me on my merry way and I'd go to basketball or soccer you know swimming or lacrosse or whatever it was um, so I somehow landed on soccer still very very much just average um, and one day a girl who I've recently reconnected with, she decided she didn't want to be a goalkeeper anymore. She was like, this is stupid. I don't get to run. I don't get a score. And so I said, I'll do it. I don't have to run. Perfect. Stick me in. So, uh, ever since I was a, a goalkeeper and it was great because I did not have to run very much and I got to use my hands and I, you know, got to be kind of a, um, a baller in the backfield. And, uh, and that brought me to college where I played um, at Duke and spent some time in Durham, North Carolina, which was uh, a great, great experience. I loved my time there. And kind of every summer, you know, a lot of athletes are not super lucky in that they don't get to do internships in the summer, which is kind of why they get screwed coming out of college if they don't go pro because they don't really have any work experience. Um, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to do work internships and and all that every summer and so you know one summer well one summer I worked at Jamba Juice (laughs) um one summer I worked as a receptionist at a PT clinic I was like thinking I wanted to be in um, a physical therapist and I didn't want to work with geriatric patients or people that were injured so you know I was slowly but surely refining towards what I ultimately wanted to do which was performance Um, my last summer I worked at Sparta um, which is the force plate company and, you know, as a senior in college, I'd finished playing and I came home for winter break and met for coffee with one of the guys at Sparta. I was like, you guys got a job? And I remember him looking at me like, no, we don't have a job for you. You don't have any experience in strength and conditioning and or business. I was like, it's fair. So he said, 
you know, have you ever heard of the University of Kansas and Andrea Hootie? And I was like, no, why would I have heard of that? And he goes, okay, do some research. I just have heard that they have an opening at a, as a GA and that might be a fit for you. And I was like, okay. Like I had literally never even, like I was good in the weight room. I liked the weight room. Um, I thought I wanted to be in sports science, but had no coaching experience whatsoever. So I go home, do some research and I'm like, oh shit, Hootie is, I mean, Hootie is a legend, right? So I was quickly humbled by my research. I was like, oh, I really should have known who that was. And uh, I remember just stab in the dark, reaching out to her. And I was like, hey, I'm Duke student athlete. I worked at Sparta for a summer. And by worked, I mean, like, I sat in the office and, like, played around with Excel and, like, tried to help them out, but didn't really do much. And I remember her emailing me back and saying, well, when can you come for an interview? And I was like, uh, coach, whenever. Like, literally, you say the day. And she sends me back, no no text in the email, sends me back her basketball schedule, like a screenshot of her basketball schedule. And she goes, pick a day that I'm here. And I was like, okay. And she said, have you bought your flight yet? And I was like, yes, ma'am. I mm-hmm. bought my flight. So I picked a weekend that basketball was in town. I think it ended up being like sometime in late February or March. No, it wasn't March because that would have been the tournament, but February and flew my my butt out to to Lawrence, Kansas, found a place to stay and showed up for an interview at 6 a.m. Spent the entire day there. I think I actually trained with Hootie. Like we ended up working out and she was like, so what size dumbbells do you want to use for these rows? And I was like, oh God, there's definitely a right answer to this. <laughs> but uh, I think I ended up like, picking like 80s and like barely being able to row them and the whole time I was like oh god like she's probably judging me so hard but um you know I ended up next weekend uh not not thinking anything of it like I was like that's a great experience but I don't really have any weight room experience um get a call saying hey you want the job and I was like hell yeah, I want the job. So uh, after that semester wrapped up, I drove my Toyota Prius with my mom. Yes, I have a Toyota Prius. Or nice. I had, and I'm from well, California. Northern the California, jokes. I get it. Uh, but like, <laughs> the jokes the can thing, start. California drivers, like California Prius drivers, maybe you're an exception, Allie, are the worst, dude. No, they're part of the solution, but also not the problem. I have to say, like, I was on, we lived in the Southern, in SoCal. So Orange County, that 405 North Prius driver is just like, they got to go. They need their own lane and it needs to go straight to hell. <laughs> uh, but I, Ellie, I'm sure look, you're. Look, you're, I'm, I agree with you guys on that. <laughs> I will say, let me, let me backtrack. It was not my selection. It was a hand-me-down. You know, okay. you don't argue when the car's paid off, right? Yes. It yes. was red. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, already, you know, I was, I had people gunning for me. Um, <laughs> quickly sold that as soon as I moved back to California mm-hmm. and bought a bike. So I don't know if that's better or worse, but I think it's better. I, I appreciate the bike people. The problem about being a bike person is you have California Prius drivers. that are trying to kill you. Like I remember Callie rode her, but decided to ride her bike to work every day and got ran off the road, ran off. No, like ran off the sidewalk by a dump truck or something. And she came in, she's like, you're never going to believe what happened to me. I think I broke my computer. <laughs> you know, Long story short, she's alive. She has the podcast. Her computer, I think, is okay. But uh, yeah, it's a ballsy move. 
well, you can't hear the Prius. That's right. So uh, it's, that's why it's even more dangerous. Yeah. I think it's, but now they're Teslas here, you know, mm-hmm. like the Prius has been replaced. It's no longer that it's the Tesla. Uh, they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, where, uh, so, so I spent, you know, the first two years as a GA at Kansas, uh, under coach Hootie and, and Zach and, and the whole crew, um, Zach got the job at Texas and there was suddenly an opening very conveniently at the end of my graduate assistantship with women's basketball. And coach Hootie said again, very fortuitously, would you like the job? And I said, hell yeah, I want the job. So, you know, I've been kind of in the right place at the right time, um, in a couple instances, but after, you know, spending two years in a full-time role, so that was a total of four years at Kansas, um, you know, I ended up with women's basketball, women's soccer and swimming and women's golf. Um, again, you know, I, this is, this is sort of how it is with coach Hootie's coaching tree. If, uh, she thinks you're ready for a new position and she has the connections, she'll put you up for it. Even if you're maybe not ready for it, you don't think you're ready for it, or you don't really necessarily even want to leave, but, um, here I was, and I, I get a call and she says, Hey, Stanford's looking for a women's basketball strength coach. Um, Stanford is very, uh, in a complete circle to the story. Stanford is in Palo Alto, California, for those Mm -hmm. who also don't know that. Um, and that was an opportunity I just couldn't pass up with a, you know, hall of fame coach and, you know, a team that had the potential of winning a national championship every year. So, um, here I am, I am going on year two, however, has not started yet. Hopefully Mm -hmm. fingers crossed we are getting going, but it's been a, it's been a weird year, but. It is for everybody, and I'm just happy to be here. You know, what's interesting is like that that Hootie story. Phase one of that interview was wonder what she's going to do with the screenshot. You know, and, and just like getting out there, regardless of experience level, I think getting out there, making it happen, that is like that is one of the larger barriers to entry with young applicants. I would imagine in this industry as well as as many others. It's just I think that is a is telling of potential. You know what I mean? Oh, big time. Pro- solve this problem. Yep. So you got to well, want Well, that was, that was just the beginning of the hootie tests. Oh, I mean, let's, the four years was, it was test after test after test. And I think that every day a test. Oh, for sure. Every day. Is, <laughs> I mean, if you never heard the coach hootie bike stories, those are probably like the, the pinnacle of the, the coach hootie stories. But basically if you're anybody that's not been there for seven years, so like you're still proving yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, she would go on these like 16 mile bike rides, like in the summers, almost every day. And when coach hootie says, Hey, we're going on a bike ride. You want to come? There's one right answer. And it's yes, I'm coming. No matter if you've never been on a bike before in your life, or if you're, you know, seasoned rock hopper. But, um, I, I remember, I actually was not on this bike ride, but, um, we had a, we had another, you know, associate strength coach and there was a hill. We called it heartbreak Hill. It's in Lawrence, Kansas. It's 14th street for anybody that's been to Lawrence, Kansas. And it's like the 8% grade. And the rule is you, so this is at the end of a 16 mile bike ride. The rule is you can't get off your bike. And if you do, everybody goes to the bottom and does it again. And I think it was like, you can ask Zach to fact check this one. But I think it was like five times this one associate just kept getting off the bike. And at the end, this individual finally, I'm, I'm not saying names for a reason. Um, this individual finally gets to the top and is like on forward, all fours off her bike. 
and a car is driving by and goes, is she okay? And um, Coach Hootie goes, she's fine and bikes off <laughs> and just leaves her. Leaves, and that's the thing is like, this is not near our weight room. So like, if you've never, like if you're new and you don't know where you are, like Coach Hootie will just leave and you got to find your way back. Mm-hmm. Problem solving. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. Old like school. It. Old school for sure. Talk to us about taking on the responsibility of the head coach, owning your own team. And that's a big transition within the, the college coaching ranks. And a lot of coaches feel they are not ready. So what are some things that you faced and feared that you, unbeknownst to you, were ready based off your athletic experience and coaching experience with Hootie? Yeah, I mean, that was the, one of the main reasons why I knew it was time to, you know, go out to Stanford and, and be, un, you know, come out from under the Coach Hootie umbrella was, you know, the challenge of finally, like, being the decision maker and not having this, you know, um, trailblazer who really everybody respects and will always have your back. And that's not to say I don't have somebody who doesn't have my back here, but it was finally like that opportunity to like go make a name for myself as an individual and um, not necessarily be tied to, to that program. And yeah, it was really scary at first, you know, it's just like, you know, what you say is your brand and, and you have to be careful about, you know, what you choose to do and um, have a rationale. That was, that was a big thing that coach Hootie always, you know, gave to us as, as, you know, a key thing to protect yourself is always have a reason for why you're doing what you're doing and have done your research and all of those good things. But yeah, it was initially very scary when I, you know, got out here and I was like, Oh, I can't go running back there to the office and ask her what to do in this situation with the head coach. And, you know, there have been times where I've had to stick up for myself and stick up for the program and what I've been doing and why I want to do it. Um, and it's been a great experience, but I think, you know, yeah, cumulatively all these tough experiences and conversations I've had with coaches as an athlete. And then, um, all these tests, like tests included with who coach Hootie definitely had prepared me for that. And I guess now you have assistants and interns as well. Uh, have you poached anything from your mentor or mentors that uh, you mind sharing with the, with the listeners? Sure. Um, Dumbbell I Rose, eighties or eighties or go home. Dumbbell, yeah. I, for, for me, it's, it's not even like the physical act. And I've learned this over time. It's what's the mentality and the mindset when you pose the challenge, right? Like it's mm-hmm. very clear the second after you say, Hey, go do this, or I challenge you to do this, or what do you think about this? You can see fear in people's eyes, right? So like how, how explain it to us. So for example, I had a couple interns working for me this past semester. And I remember there was a day where we were short, you know, numbers wise on our basketball team, we were doing some versa climber relay races. And I remember turning to one of my interns and being like, Hey, do you think you can jump in? And I just remember seeing just like straight, just like, fear like froze up I don't know and it wasn't even like I didn't even care if he could do it or not like I didn't care if he totally failed like obviously I think that he shouldn't fail but mm-hmm. um that, that wasn't even the point I was like hey so I like talked to him afterwards and I was like dude like let's let's just have a candid conversation about this like whatever challenge is posed to you as a young coach the biggest thing is just say yes mm-hmm. and put yourself out there and be vulnerable and try it. You're going to learn so much more about yourself than 
you know, just, you know, clamming up and, and protecting your ego and being the cool guy. Right. Like, so is this recent, yeah. is this like pretty recent? Yeah. This so, was like early spring, late fall. Yeah. And then, so how old is a coach, like a, a coach assistant or intern? Uh, probably early twenties, early twenties. So early twenties in this day and age, you had very 26. This reminds me very much. No names, no names. Do you know where I'm going with this? Maybe same exact scenario. If this individual, he or she, they are listening, they'll know. They may be listening. Is Germany. this the red eye? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that poor individual. Same like same scenario. Text take it. I'll take I'll paint the picture for our listeners. So Ali, we were traveling the world and teaching a two-day seminar that's very segmented and each component builds off the next. So the component that we would give to uh an intern or a new presenter. There are some key points that we need that are crucial for future practicals and lectures in that day. Yeah, because we connected back to almost everything. Yeah, and it's we only got 16 hours, so every component is important. And we asked this individual who flew on his own dime out to Germany because he there, was... There, she, he they, or she, they. Out to Germany. They were somewhere <laughs> close, and we were going to Oktoberfest afterwards, so they figured, hey, why not? It's basically a, a trip to Oktoberfest, and you get to hang out with Luke and I. Yeah. Well, I asked them if they knew this warm-up series. We called it Red Eye because it was the first thing. We always start day two with some movement because people are hungover. It's people, not us, are hungover. <laughs> Definitely not us. We just want to get the, the blood flowing before we go into Q&A and, and rely on their brain. I asked the individual if they knew the Red Eye warm-up. And they said, yes. So I said, okay. Uh But it wasn't like that. That was not, it was like, do you know the red eye warm up? Yes. And then it's like, you know, five hard claps, get everybody going. All right, everybody up your ass, off your ass. Come on, everybody. We organize the whole uh, room, get them ready for the drill. They don't know what's coming. And it's, it's either like, it's kind of excitement. Is this going to be miserable? Is this going to be fun? It's like, all right, we call this the red eye. And everybody's like, eyes are on the lead. And that's when Mr. McQuilkin hands over and goes, and so-and-so is going to take you through it. And then, like, that's We did the hard part for him. We set up <laughs> organizer group. Them. Them, not him. They, we did the hard part for they, <laughs> organized setup, and then gave the inspiring, empowering introduction mm-hmm. and handed it off to them only to... Yeah, it, and it, the same look, the same fear, the same doubt... And, uh, but I mean, tight butthole. even, even in that, I think that there, maybe it came back on us in the talk we oh, had afterwards yeah. because it did propel into, uh, not necessarily illustrious coaching career, but the, that, um, that opportunity that was missed to do exactly what you said, Ali, which is like, put your, just step into it, lean into it and see what happens. Like, I think that could have been a contributing factor to like a pretty illustrious adventure beyond that, that. Uh, this individual kind of really did a hockey stick and per- excelled in their field. Personal development. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And at the same time for for us, I, I asked a hard question. Do uh-huh. you know this? Yes or no? Black or white, which we're going to get into. And they were not going to say no. So I set them up for failure by doing this. I didn't mean to. I was, yeah, wanted to see what they could do. But um, Well, I mean, like you guys know, like, agree with me or disagree but like that second before you're about to do something that you're not sure if you're going to nail or not like that's 
pit in your stomach where you're like, oh, this could be really bad or it could be really good. But that's, I almost kind of like have started to, to enjoy that because I know that I'm going to learn from it. Right. Like I'm like, what good or bad, this is going to be some great feedback. Well, yeah, it's like, it's the play call on the goal line and they call your number and it's like, what, you know, we had it in our seminar teaching experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had power cleans unprepared unbeknownst that you threw on me mm-hmm. and i know your experience with john was the nutrition lecture yeah <laughs> it's like, okay yeah i've never given a lecture how long's lecture 90 minutes about what did you okay i'll go like i'd heard it maybe a half dozen times and just went for it and it was it was hot steaming garbage alley i would have just fired me but like i guess i was first first ever gig you know so uh, it's I would have hired me based off my power. Cleaning. Oh, I know. Absolutely not. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that is, uh, I guess for, for, let's say an athlete, you know, I feel that that is very much a for, I would hope for most, most athletes, a familiar sensation and certainly not one that you want to live in, but it, it presents an opportunity. It's like a true inflection point. Well, this is the value of a strength coach. We can talk X's and O's percentages, force plate jumps, blah, blah, blah. But the strength coach, the training, this is your opportunity to fail. And then a coach is there as a mentor to then guide the emotional quotient of how they step up and manage and handle the next rep, the next play, which then sets them up for practice to shine, which then sets them up for game day. So it's this grandiose opportunity that a, a, a coach has, particularly within the weight room and using the barbell to fail that then we're we're talking about with professional development it's also in line with an athlete's personal development absolutely you know the weight room is a step between the classroom and the competition floor right it's that like middle ground where you can fail and there's not that pressure of winning or losing a game so it's Mm -hmm. great any other intern or hire quirks that you you have or you love to play what's what's like your go-to interview question to throw them off to see if they're cool. Oh, um, you know, I love questions. So I try to not just ask the generic ones, you know, you know, what's a question that I, I, people have told me over and over again that they keep getting on interviews is what kind of kitchen appliance are you most like? Have you guys heard gotten this one on an interview before? No, but I'm meat grinder. Easy. It's my nickname in college. (laughs) Yeah, making sausage. You take all this garbage and you throw it together. Hot garbage, put in a little casing, grill it up. Make a sausage. Yeah, you know, speaking of hot sausage, or wait, no, hot garbage. (laughs) Tex, remember when I went on a rant? (laughs) Allie, this is going to be a wormhole. Remember when I went on a rant about my wife putting ketchup on Italian sausage? Yes. Or was it mustard? No, it was mustard. She put mustard and what kind of mustard? Sauerkraut on an Italian sausage, like it was bratwurst. I mean, this is just ridiculous. So my in-laws are in town, and I cooked up. You've had, I'm, you've came over for dinner multiple times. Have you ever had my carne asada? Oh my goodness gracious, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good carne asada. I mean, it's maybe a war. Well, Frontera, not your new. I got, but listen, this is a pretty like. People would enjoy this carne asada if they like Mexican food. And I prepare it medium rare because that's what you do. Okay? So I cook it medium rare. Mother-in-law asks, hey, can you cook mine well? I'm like, all right, fine, I'll cook it well. So, like, we're talking gray, chewy carne asada. And then she asks for ketchup. 
And she just oh, slathered no. this thing in ketchup. And I was like, what the hell? Is, and I looked, um, I have not had a come to G, we have not had a mentorship session with my wife and I to come to talk about the ketchup on the steak and make sure that's, ne- that's not like a hereditary thing because we're not going to do that. You can't like ketchup on carne asada, Tex. Imagine going to Verde's and getting a fajita, steak fajitas, and they come out and you slop ke- Heinz on it? No, can't do it. Where is she from? What part of the country? Midwest. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just uh, like, South suburbs, Plainfield, Joliet area, if you're familiar. Yeah, I don't know how that was going to help me, but I figured maybe I could place a stereotype on there. (laughs) Well, the mother-in-law stereotype. So what kitchen appliance are you, Allie? Oh, that's this is what the point of this. You don't you're not supposed to turn it on me. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Bring it, bring it. Ooh, I'm a cleaver, obviously. Whoa. Power, power Mm -hmm. tool. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to be clear, not very good for not good for a whole lot of things, but really good at hitting things and <laughs> making them fall apart. But so I'm sorry to derail you. So we're we're so this is like uh, we're into these kind of nuanced and obscure questions, trying to trying to sift through an individual to really see what falls out, right? Yeah, I think that just like going back to our earlier conversation, like the minute you can put somebody in sort of an uncomfortable position, that's where you get the good stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like either from the way that they react with their gestures, their facial expressions or whatever. I mean, that can tell you exactly what you want to know or uh, the answer that comes out because they weren't able to prepare for it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, a, a couple of notes on that. One of my favorite, the, the old Mike Hill from Georgetown University. Do you believe in aliens? And relying on this person, this kid or whoever the hell they are to be creative in the sense or if they are this, because there's a lot of downtime within coaching, which is leaves room for banter, nonsense, and just shooting the, the shit around. So if aliens can lead to a fun conversation. So he tries to find that out first thing mm-hmm. and where a, a kid will go or if it's like a stone cold, way too serious kid, you're probably not going to be a part of that staff. Right. But uh, I always admire that question and, and look forward to the responses. And the second thing, this, and I can't remember if it was Mike Boyle or Raphael Ruiz, he would simply assess by the size of the candidate's T-shirt that they were wearing when they came in. If it was too tight and, you know, like fitness professional tight or the spandex shirt, which was big, it it had its run. Then they realized this person's not in it for the athlete. They're in it for them themselves. So a simple thing like that, that would go a long way. And I, it was reason boil, but, uh, yeah, always hilarious, and that I take into so not the alien question for us, but we we try to have some fun banter because well, it's I, the schmedium shirt, right? That, that's the only correct answer. Yes, or you just get like a large shirt and tailor the sleeves to a medium. That's what I've been doing lately. <laughs> what so you, you don't have a t-shirt tailor? You don't have t-shirt text. You need a t-shirt tailor. Look at these little pipes. They're they're swimming in these medium sleeves. This is an XL. <laughs> get out of uh, here. This is a two X. Uh, okay what so how many interviews have you been fortunate to land every interview you've ever had did you have any missteps as a young professional oh man um yeah i guess i i guess i have gotten all of the jobs that i've applied for um in terms of interviews 
uh, I, I guess like once I've gotten onto campus or like gotten past the first, I've definitely been like rejected before I even, you know, got started. You know, they were just like, oh, Valley Kirshner, nope, ne- definitely not. But anyone that's like actually brought me in person, I feel pretty lucky to have, have landed. So then flip it charm. So flip it around then. You've you've been an interviewer, I'd imagine. Yeah. How about those folks who didn't make it through your uh your round of interviews? Um you, you know, if I anything? could Yeah, I think it's I think it's honestly it's like it's like what the conversation we're having right now. Like if can you have a conversation like we're having now, not take yourself too seriously, be a person, be a human that's not a robot, care about you know, things besides strength and conditioning, you know, do I want to have this person on my staff that I would enjoy being around for 10, 12 hours a day? Mm-hmm. Those things are so much more important to me when I'm going through the interview process than, you know, do you, can you recite the essentials, the essentials of strength and conditioning edition five? You know, like, I mean, I think that that's probably where I fall on the spectrum of, you know, X's nose person versus kind of culture and heart person, but I think it's just more important important to to be a person. So what's like the distribution in in that space? So I am, um, I mean, I am a, I'll let text either validate or not disvalidate this. I feel like I'm a capable coach, but I have like no familiarity or aspirations to be a like team training weight room coach. You know what I mean? Um, as far as I'm aware at this point. Because I have like a stigma associated with that, maybe from some of your internships and maybe just from pop culture, but like of this heavy reliance on X's and O's and movement selection and like this, what spreadsheets. Yeah. What these, this nuance to the technical side of training that I don't, I mean, I buy into marginally, but I don't think that makes a program. Right. And talking with some switched on coaches like double a and some of the guys that were tied in that Texas introduced me to. and, And like yourself where there's like, Man, connections and culture are probably more important than that. So I guess it, what is like, is there, is the pendulum swinging now within the NCAAs or in collegiate sports, or is there still this school of like X's and O's? This is the selection. This is the sequence. These are the percentages. This is the timing, et cetera. Ooh, um, Tex, you, you can, you can. Uh... Oh, I got an opinion on this. Yeah, you can give your opinion or you can or I can go first. Which one? I, I would like our guest to go first and then I'll put my two to it. Well, I would say it's it's probably confirmation bias and whatever I currently am feeling, I probably am <laughs> overestimating is the the norm, right? But yeah. you know, I I've been on both sides, I feel like. I was, you know, growing up especially, you know, as a young strength coach, that's like what you're reading, that's what you know, that's what you think that you can control, right? So, I was like team you know five three one or conjugate or you know I was stereotypical by the book X's and O's strength coach and then you know I had this kind of total flip when I basically just let the athlete one time pick I was like you know what I don't care what you do today just do something and pick it up and make it be heavy and it was like you could pick any kind of squat you want and they were lifting like 40% more than they had been the previous week. And it was only because they had picked an exercise self-selected that felt good to them. And I was like, ah, Mm -hmm. I got it. 
you know, and like, I was like, what, what, what have I been doing this whole time? I'm like literally white knuckling these athletes. Like, I will make you stronger. And it's gotta be my way. You know, like as a very controlling individual, you know, and I finally took a step back and I was like, one, that's not what I'm here to do. Right. I'm here to learn and teach and, and grow these student athletes on many things other than, you know, the weight room stuff. So what am I doing by exerting complete control? Like, where's the autonomy? Where is the ability for choice? Where's the learning that's happening? And the second I kind of came to that completely changed my programming style much more on this leadership and, you know, interpersonal skills and relationships. And I, I hate that that has become this like stigmatized soft skill. Like, I don't know why it has to be such a battle, you know? Um, but, you know, I find myself very much now in the middle, which is probably something we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah. Was, I, can I jump in on, uh, real quick on that? Um, so how, like, how recently was that? Yeah, that's that paradigm shift. I would say in the last two years since okay. I got to, since I got to Stanford, for sure. Was that, was this moment at Stanford or was this one of the, the Kansas teams? Um, it, I think it was definitely at Stanford was the first time that like, I finally like had that moment and then like did something about it. You know, I had probably like wondered about it while I was at Kansas, but, um, you know, it's really hard, you know, when you're a young strength coach and you have these mentors you're looking up to, and a lot of times you are kind of copying what they're doing and you're like, well, it's really successful. It's obviously got them where they are. Um, and then the second that you actually have to make those decisions on your own and rationalize them, like I said before, that's when you're like, start questioning what you're doing and why you're doing it. And that's when I was like, oh, duh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it feels like a natural kind of progression to, to embrace the real technical components of things and then have that eventually swing into maybe more like abstract or subjective type of uh, nuance or gut feel or instinct. And, you know, as I'm sure there's plenty of like quotable memes or whatever on social, but like, and then as you get older and more experienced, really probably the gut, like the old Mike Boyle, right? Uh, one of the favorite lines when we were interviewing him, he's like, Oh yeah, I'm always right until I'm wrong. You know, <laughs> like, like his gut at this point, he's just like, I rely on my gut more than anything on my experience. But then, you know, he'll make you earn it, but he'll happily concede if he f- realizes that he's mis- misguided or misaligned on something. So I feel like that's just kind of the natural progression of almost many of these, these traits or domains where it's not all technical. It's not all art. And it's kind of that mixture of both, right? That synergy. And this is where great segue, Luke, into my perspective of the industry now. And we are in, we are in a bubble and I like this bubble because we get to connect with cool people like Ali Boyle, Brett Bartholomew, who think in this way where there's a negative connotation, what people would say soft skills, we would simply say uh, essentials, or just being normal person that is then coaching and connecting with a person that has a goal, and maybe they haven't yet realized that goal, okay, then it's on us to help define, craft, and create that based off what they have a passion for. Oh, they like this variation of the squat or this lift? Well, let me show you where it connects and translates into your sport. And there's some other things that I've watched you swim or play that we can work on that then Mm -hmm. this is what this does in the weight room. If we can connect this and you really start to unlock this, this potential 
within that person that they didn't yet find for themselves versus here's a spreadsheet. We're all doing this. Oh, you play offensive line. All right. Everybody starts with 315 today, even though you're 15 different individuals with 15 different athletic experiences, lifting experiences and personalities and what the hell you did before the all these different things. And I love this because we have the opportunity through podcasts and power athlete and cool conferences or clinics like where Allie and I met to then find like-minded individuals. And it's almost a sense. And Allie, I don't know how you feel, but like going to conferences, there's this polo shirt game. And I found a cool way to just float beyond that and find the, the cool guys like, um, man, like Roos, who used to be at University of Texas. Now he's at VCU. One of his tricks that he shared on our podcast for the conferences and clinics, <clears throat> day one, he would not wear his team's gear. So he'd just wear a dark shirt, blank, and then see you know who comes up to him and talks to him. It's going to be a lot of friends, basically. And then day two, puts on his team's gear and just kind of see what happens to observe the industry mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. has happened. So cool technique that he shared on here that, as a non-polo wearing at these conferences, I had a great opportunity to observe and connect with some people, fans of the podcast, some cool coaches out there. Um, so I, I feel, I don't think there's a major shift and change, but there is a pulse with switched-on individuals that are aware of each other and almost feel and sense each other out during these things. And it's not on the the YouTube highlights or ESPN showcase. No, it's coaching, it's individuals, and then through outlets, friends, connections, they're there. Mm-hmm. And then this growing feel, maybe it, it, it stays fringe and unique. I'm cool with that. But if it takes over, I'm not mad at that either because that means more empowered athletes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you guys. I just... I'm sad that it has to be so, so much of a dichotomy. Like you have to pick one camp or the other, you know, we were talking a little bit text and it's like, why has it got to be so black and white? You know, like, why do you got to be team, team, uh, what do we say? Vegan or team carnivore. And, you know, unfortunately I feel like the, the soft skills have become team vegan and I'm not about that because mm. that's not cool either. So I, yeah, it's like, where, where, we could each learn something from the other side. And I don't think that we need to, you know, hang our hat on one thing or the other, but I do feel like that's the trend. The trend is like pick one, pick a side and stay with it. And that's your team. And you got to ride or die with that team instead of, Hey, I'm going to be super proficient in what I do in the weight room, but yeah, I'm also going to be a really good conversationalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I guess they're both tools. So use it when appropriate, apply a sense of individuality to it who's going to respond or what's going to respond or when will it be appropriate to apply hard technical lines. There's probably a time and place and manner for that. And then when is it time to loosen that up and shift sides? Probably a time, place and manner for that. Just got to experiment and be ready to be wrong. I guess. I don't know. Daily adaptability, baby. So Allie, you're leading a podcast now. Oh, God. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. in line with our conversation here. Mm. I Welcome. It. Welcome to the the podcast verse. Ooh. Right? Yeah. I'm, 
Maybe. Spotify has 3 million podcasts. Now there's 3 million in one. 3 million podcasts? I don't know. I got to be honest, I made that up. Oh, divide <laughs> that by eight and we probably have our answer. <laughs> Allie, talk to us about your show and what was the motivation to kickstart it and actually press play versus talking about it? Yeah, well, I mean, it, some people during quarantine learned how to bake sourdough, sourdough bread. I uh, learned how to make a podcast. Nice. You know, to each their own, right? But I, exactly going on what we're talking about, I just truly did feel like it was becoming like you had to pick a side. And I was like, I, I feel like it's not that, though. It's black. It's not black or white. It's really gray. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I started this podcast called Ride the Gray. So, okay, first of all, this is just an interesting mind game. My co-host, Travis, who's the men's basketball strength coach at Gonzaga, super, super smart dude, by the way. You guys would love talking to him. We we had this idea of Ride the Gray. What picture comes to your mind when you hear Ride the Gray? Wolf. Donkey. What, wait, you're riding a, a riding a donkey? Yeah. They're the most efficient whatever type of animal they are. Jackass. <laughs> Well, I maybe maybe this is because I'm from California, but like my mind instantly went to surfing. Oh like, no! Oh, that's no, terrible. That's awful. No, it's a horse. Oh, it's a horse. I'm <laughs> that was Travis's like, too. But I'm also like really deep into Yellowstone right now, so I'm like, mm. that's mm. where my head's at. Is you know, ranchers and riding a gray horse. What, did you see the Liam Neeson movie, Something Gray, <laughs> where he fought and killed these wolves? Wolf oh, pack. Oh was, yeah, yeah. I did see that. That's what I thought of. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm not That's mad. At, I'm not mad at the surfing thing. I'll be honest with you. But then I also have a buddy who bets on horses, and whenever he bets on a light-colored horse or a gray horse, blue horse, um, he calls them donkeys when they lose. So that's where that came from. Very, very narrow window of. So I would not validate anything I've said so far. <laughs> well, I mean, but I kind of think that's the point, right? Is that we we all have such different interpretations and perceptions of things that everything is gray, right? Like even like something that I thought was pretty like, duh, it's riding a wave. Like it could be totally different for somebody else. Right. So that was kind of the, the thinking here is what if we go and we, we talk about some things that are really challenging topics that are things that are actually in other fields. So, you know, a lot of us, we go really deep in strength and conditioning, like we, like we said, we know our X's and O's, like, you know, it's the gospel, like it's the Bible. And, you know, when we start to get into situations where we have issues or struggles or we lack creativity or we can't think of what to do for a program, we tend to, I mean, as humans go deeper on the same thing instead of going broader, wider. And that's sort of this concept of lateral thinking, which is instead of using the same tactics that you normally do to solve a problem, go to a different industry, a different um, person, a different, you know, mindset and bring in solutions from the outside and apply them back to your, your profession, your, your problem, whatever's going on. So, you know, I, I like this metaphor of instead of digging this really deep trench in your own front yard, go just deep, you know, dig a bunch of holes in everybody in all of your neighbor's yards and bring back their dirt and steal that. Um, and because, you know, the historical examples to, to show that this works are astounding. Like, you know, you think of, uh, what's a good one? Oh, so, okay. Everybody has an iPhone, right? Steve jobs, he went to Reed college and he took calligraphy classes there while he was there. And then after college, he went and studied calligraphy in the Himalayas from a bunch of monks. 
So when he was going to design, you know, the Mac Apple products for the first time, he had this like design brain, like he just had this like eye for art and like the way things lines should look and being very clean. And what's the thing that Apple's like known for now is this like sleek, beautifully designed product. Well, that came from this like ancient art of calligraphy, right? Or um, the Wright brothers, uh, another great example, they, you know, were in this race to create an airplane and they one day were just looking at a bird and they were like, oh, the bird's wings are angled. They are not just flat. And when they applied that back and in conjunction with using sort of a rudder looking thing, which they stole from boats, Mm -hmm. they were able to solve the problem that nobody else had been able to solve. So instead of like just looking at our own field for answers to the solution, this podcast was created to look at other professions and other ideas, steal those and bring them back to ours and see if we could, you know, kind of not necessarily like fix any problems, but challenge people's thinking maybe and show them that everything is kind of gray and there's no black and white because I, and I told text this, but I think it's pretty easy to be black and white. You can just like stay in your camp and just like, it's like um, playing capture the flag and you just like play defense the whole time. Like how much fun is that dude? Mm-hmm. Like get out and like go run and like expose yourself. And that's how you win the game. Right. So it's so much easier to kind of just like leave nuance unexamined and just kind of just like chill. But this podcast has forced Travis and I, and I hope others to be uncomfortable and like put enough out there to show that we're vulnerable. We don't know everything, but like, Hey, this idea could be really cool. And it could help somebody somewhere just like even just to create more creativity around some idea they had. You know, when I hear music like this, I can't help but think about every cheesy 80s action movie ever. There's just something so great about how clearly fake every fight scene and workout montage is. And what's funny is the approach of creating sexy cut-ups of bullshit workouts with highly questionable application actually exists outside 80s movies and is more prevalent than ever. Well, like terrible 80s movies, there's so much training garbage out there to sort through these days. And while entertaining, it's scary to think that some people are actually falling for it. Think of the pyrotechnics in Commando or the -the over-the-top use of body oil in the movie Over the Top. Is it possible that they're trying to distract us from the completely unrealistic plotline? Kind of like a sexy-looking program with virtually no performance transfer? This is exactly why Power Athlete has been battling the bullshit for over a decade. The research, testing, and retesting that the coaches at Power Athlete HQ have done to create athletic training programs like Field Strong and Bedrock is unparalleled. We chose to further refine our templates to create Grindstone, Jack Street, Lean Enable, and Hammer because we know that specific goals require specific stimuli. Okay, here's where the shameless plug comes in. A lot of work goes into developing the absolute best program and user experience possible. Just ask our partners at Train Heroic, who have been with us every step of the way and are equally dedicated to empowering your performance as we are. They are relentless when it comes to ensuring that your journey to self-improvement is propelled by the absolute best technology. When you join a Power Athlete program on Train Heroic, the first thing you should do is take a giant sigh of relief. Seriously, because now you're in the hands of founder and 10-year NFL veteran John Wellborn and his team of world-class coaches. 
And for less than a dollar a day, you've just become part of a community of like-minded folks who all want the same thing, performance. And if this whole 80s movie metaphor thing makes no sense to you because you were born after 1990, simply substitute Star Wars Episodes 1 through 3. Who has the time or the patience for an all-show, no-go imposter program? Head to PowerAthleteHQ.com backslash training to empower your performance today. Now back to the show. One of my favorite quotes is from Steve Jobs, and that creativity is in the connections. And that's one of the things I think we take pride in with Power Athlete Radio is bringing different authors or different fields in, and then we do our damnedest to then make the connection between their content and material to our user's experience or our professional products and development. Um, that's, do, you, do you have guests on the show, or is it right now just introducing topics for, for you and Travis to, to break apart and digest? Yeah. So a little bit of both. So the idea is right now, and, and man, this changes like literally every day. Like we're like, Travis said it best. He's like, watching us podcast is like watching two people who just learned English, try to have a conversation with each other. Like, we're just like, so what do we do now? Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, so it started with like, like we're going to tackle a concept, which neither one of us really know anything about prior to examining it. And we'll do just enough. Like we, we say that we, we know just enough to be dangerous. But for example, we talked about differential learning. We talked about something called cognitive entrenchment. And uh, most recently we talked about the iterative mindset or kind of this idea of a lean startup, which we can dive into later. But then once we've, Travis and I have kind of embarrassed ourselves talking about that, we'll then go find somebody who's practicing that thing in a different field and interview them. So after differential learning, we went and we found um, Andy Bass, who's the mental performance coordinator for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And he's like super smart dude, like PhD in motor control and, and sports psychology. And he uses differential learning with the Pirates players and staff. So we brought him on and interviewed him. And uh, yeah, so then the idea will be like, have a topic, go find somebody who's way smarter than us and actually does it and interview them about it. Nice. Just setting yourself up, setting yourself up to be humbled. Oh, I, I mean, man, like that, is that not the point to everything? Right. Like the, the cliche quote, if you're not the smartest person in the room, like find a different room mm -hmm. that like, that is truly the epitome of what we're trying to do here. Nice. And, and be curious. Like that makes for an amazing show because you are inquisitive, asking questions and deep diving to under selfishly understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've learned so much. How many episodes in? We've published three. Well, by the time this comes out, I don't know how many it'll be, but um, we've recorded like five or six and we've uh -huh. published three. Um, the one with Andy Bass just came out a couple days ago and uh Honestly, I didn't even think it was going to get to one. So this is like a huge, <laughs> uh, huge accomplishment. But you guys are like, what, like 400? Uh, yeah. We are just about there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Scary. It's scary. I don't know if we'll make it there, but... Not with that I, It'll attitude. take... Well, <laughs> you know, when, when you got quarantine, like, mm -hmm. makes it a lot easier to do something like this. But we'll uh, both of us are going back full time to jobs. So we'll see. 25, 50, 100. Next thing you know, it's going to be at 400. That's kind of how it shook out. Next thing I know, I'm going to have ride the gray tattoo to my arm somewhere. Yeah, or neck. 
neck or tattoos neck, are coming or, in. Or yeah. like or an eye, like an eye drop, but it's, let's say ride the gray. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. If you want to force yourself into success, get a neck or a face tattoo. I like it. Because you can't get a real job after that. Prove it. I'll really show you where, <laughs> what you're made of, right? Exactly. Or you have to out-interview your face tat. Ooh. I think I could do it. You out-interviewed your barbed wire tattoo. Uh, first off, Tex, it's a tribal. What's the difference? <laughs> well, <laughs> if you got to ask, big fella. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Allie, you, you sent along some questions that you helped to... To pull some question, uh, to pull some experience, and make people comfortable with your show to really set the tone. So, what are some examples, some questions that you love to pull out and pose towards your guests? Yeah, well, you know, obviously, I told you the premise of the show. Well, we also want to hear from the person that we're interviewing. You know, where do they seek sort of this idea of lateral thinking in, in their own life? Um, so, you know, we we ask them, how do you? Where, what do you do to seek information or expertise that's outside of your own field, much the same way that we're doing right now? Um, how do you, you know, insert doubt or dissent into what you're doing and not just like get wrapped up in the idea that you you know everything? Because, you know, it's very easy to do that. You know, I have been known to use the same program on four different teams because I'm like, yeah, it's working, it's good stuff. I mean, and in reality, I really should be probably having somebody look it over or I should be showing it to my mom and explain it to her. And if she's like, what? Like, then obviously, you know, maybe that's not the best program. So things like that, you know, I, we, we've also been known to ask them things like what uncomfortable things do you expose yourself to on purpose? Like coming onto a podcast and um, having to, you know, banter with two of the best in the business would be an example oh. or uh, which podcast was that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was the Joe Rogan show that I was on. Oh yeah, that ah, makes sense. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. Do you guys do anything that like truly just like makes you uncomfortable just to make Hell, you uncomfortable? Yes. Tempting burn opportunity is going to be something along the lines of like, hang out with McWilkin every day. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. These were 400 of these in and text knows vaccine or backstage, maybe 50% of them. I'm like, man, that drained me. Like they drained me. Um, this isn't my natural, um, I guess my natural behavior. I like to kind of sit back and chill and watch the people do their thing. And then like come in with a punchline, like hype man. But, um, and then yeah, get, like seek out mentorship and have them and asking you the like really smart people ask you hard questions about why you do what you do. You know, whether that is in your domain as like I'm new dad, right? So I'm exploring, exploring that mindset. I'm exploring my, um, I guess my principles or my theories as a husband, as a colleague, you know, as a coach, as a content creator. Like I got, I'm fortunate enough to have some of those, some really smart people in my network to, to lean on, to challenge me on some of that stuff. And like that self-work is the worst like, it's just easier to just keep going about your day. And then as you, like, for me at least, someone who's pretty active in terms of just idle time and kind of deep and lateral thoughts is when you plant a seed like that, it becomes an obsession. And then it, like, it'll weigh on me for weeks, you know. But, um, yeah, that, I couldn't have done it without a couple of the guys and gals that I work with, you know, outside of Power Athlete and uh, in my personal network. So I'm fortunate enough to have people like that to to push me into that corner. 
Well, did they push you or did you have a moment where you were like, uh, uh yeah, I know I had to ask. Was it they, the, was it Ruby? The little baby? Oh yeah. No, be, like becoming a dad for sure was, uh, I, I like, I always knew I wanted to be a dad. And then as I became a, a coach and had the opportunity to do what we did with CrossFit football and then run like through a gym, you, you start to like, and then having man guys like Kaz and double a and like, like these dudes who are and chicks who are hootie who are storied coaches and like manage the culture of, and I say this as a term of endearment. Okay. But dipshit 20 year olds, because like they're, they're just so plastic and malleable and don't know, right? Like it's just so ripe, just an unsculpted block of clay. Like you get to build an inf- build a culture and influence the trajectory of this young athlete's life. Like it's on you. And I have the opportunity in all these podcasts leading up to like, kind of like take some of this stuff for granted. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Whoa, that's what a baby is. Like this little thing comes out. I have the responsibility of give of, of organizing a few letters, vowels and consonants to give it what it will be called for the rest of its life. I'm determining that is my very first decision with this child is to assign them their name. Like that was just a, a monumental task for me when I realized the magnitude that this baby's a life sentence on me. But now, and I know they can go legally change their name, get a nickname like Tex when they're from Virginia. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, the name, the psychology of names, that'd be a good ride the grave. There's mm-hmm. an expert out there. Ooh. Well, you know, I want to know something funny. I just got a puppy. Um, oh. Yeah. Let the quarantine jokes continue, right? Like who... <laughs> Of course, I got a puppy. Of course, I started a podcast. Um, sourdough bread's in the oven, by the way. Yeah, well, I um, thought you were going to say that's what you named the puppy. <laughs> no, no. I did name the dog Maverick. Oh, so, oh that's great. Yes, Maverick, obviously. Tom uh, Cruise or? Well, so yes, it is, the, it is the Tom Cruise Maverick. But, you know, you could also argue Maverick's the surf competition is like 10 minutes from my house. So. Oh, I was going to okay. say Mel Gibson, but. No, no, we weren't that's... going there. Come on, Tex. Jodie Foster. Maverick the movie. Aces. Right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Just making sure That's we're on the same. a negative ghost rider. It's <laughs> a good one. But uh, so to, I guess to loop back into it, that was, that was certainly the impetus for that. Um, and yeah, like, so I, I'll link up with some folks, have some long talks, and then they'd send me on my merry way to think about it. And I, I basically commit to them to organize my thoughts on it. You know, and I, so, that, so that makes you uncomfortable as like sort of. Yeah, because it's, you know, what it, I think it is for me, I'm not a religious dude. I was, I never went to church. I think I was baptized. I don't know. That, like, that certain, that point for me not to get, like, I'll, I'll bring it back. But that was never, uh, that was never important in my upbringing. You know, my, it was like contribute, get a job, work hard, do what you say you're going to do, do when you, you know, do what you say you're going to do and get it done when you say you do it. But then, uh, like, the, those are pretty simple principles to live by. And then like Texas religious dude, and we've had some philosophical discussions behind that. And what I do like about religion is it kind of packages up this stuff for you to interpret and then like package and mold for your family and how you want to raise your kids and uh, the values you want to lean on as a married couple or partners or whatever. Um, Well, I guess I didn't have that. And now I'm just stubborn and don't want it. I want to kind of create my own, you know? And so in order to do that, I have to do a lot of work because my... I'm always forward thinking. I just want to go get what's next, get what's next, get what's next. But now I'm being 
forced to sit and reflect, which is so boring because I can literally do nothing about the things I've already accomplished or failed. Like I can't do anything about those things. But I guess the lesson to be learned is they can frame and shape the way forward, right? Um, and to slow down and do that type of stuff for me is what's frustrating and uncomfortable. Oh, that's awesome. Tex, what, do you uh, do you do anything that makes you uncomfortable daily? Uh, I do daily, no. But this well, I guess you could say training daily too is like a level of. Oh come on, go deeper than like, this. Get yeah, out of this stupid, you know, training. That's not uncomfortable. Yeah, we're all sore. Okay, get over it. What else? The while ago on our podcast, we had a Dr. John Howard, who is a love therapist. Mm-hmm. So he's got we a monthly meetings that I partake in uh-huh. that he shares and drops his knowledge. And I forget which episode that is. So partake in that. And that is since gone virtual. I did one in person, which was cool and more. I feel my style, but now it's on the line. And that in itself, aside from the content material, so it's like 90 minutes of uh, anxiety. <laughs> but at the end of it, you're, I got some good notes and conversation pieces to then bring back into my team and community here that they are good soundboards for. Uh, and then our pal Matt Zanis, his girlfriend is a she is also a relationship therapist Mm -hmm. and she I don't know for some reason enjoys talking to me and she takes me to the most the ends of my comfort zone (laughs) and she stretches and bends and twists and she's cool cat and opens me up for some conversations and discussions that probably would lead to some razzing with the the boys so uh, those two are some tall tasks that I'm yeah. uh, forcing myself to embark on to uh, yeah meet some lovely lady out there. So those are that's what I do. That's outside the world of strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Ing. And oh, um, and also a big step was where where we were able to connect at Brett Bartholomew's, which. I, like Luke, am an introvert, a learned extrovert for mm-hmm. presentations and lectures and canned jokes. But where I have to come up with jokes in an improv style, I'm out. No way. So that was a wretched, <laughs> like, Brett, I love you, buddy. But you took me to the end of my, my comfort zone, for sure. But, like, how fun was that? Because... Once we all kind of got over the fact that we all look like idiots, you know, I'm, I'm, I would consider myself an introvert as well. Um, and like, we we're like making weird noises and like getting into weird, like charade, like games. And that, at that moment where you just like, you're like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to go all in. Right. And then you start playing the games. Oh my God. Like it's so freeing and it like really teaches you about communication. And I mean, that's why we were there to do it. And it's, you know, you're learning communication in a way that none of us have ever been taught before, which is, you know, like, listen, and, you know, like think deeply about what you're about to say and ask questions. It's not that right. It's, it's agile and it's fast and it's ugly and it's messy and it's um, really uncomfortable, but you can really see how something like improv, the rules of improv um, would really make you be a better communicator. And it, like, you know, text, I don't know if you remember, but it was like, I think the rules were um, yes. And right. Which is instead of 
just saying yes, right? Like shuts your partner down, say yes and, and like forces the conversation to keep going. Uh, set your partner up for success, right? Which is again, something that's so key in communication is if you, like somebody is saying like, hey, how's your day? And you're like, it's great. You know, again, if you kill the conversation, contribute something, like set them up for success. Um, you know, a lot of cool little tips and tricks like that, in addition to the uncomfortability and the getting out of your own head that Tex mm-hmm. talked about. Yeah, you did a, a fine job of crafting a, a two days of just building components of communication. And then instead of just lecturing us, it was built into games and we could learn the lesson through exposing weaknesses and make it an ass of yourself. And it was very interesting because 90% of the time, the, the improv stuff just went straight sexual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, that's bizarre. Yep. It was interesting for sure, but fun, fun nonetheless. Yeah. It's like, you know, it really brought us to a lot of taboo things that like, you know, and I think in our day and age, we're scared to talk about, which is like politics and sex and relationships. And, uh, you know, you have to talk about those things sometimes. And we don't, I think, grow up in a society that, except for with your friends, when you're bantering, like allows you to professionally talk about those things or makes them acceptable. They're stigmatized, just like mental health has been stigmatized, just like a lot of other things have been kind of pushed under the rug. Like we're not going to talk about that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was really interesting that when our guards were down and the rules of normal communication been thrown out the window, we were like suddenly talking about sex and we were talking about politics. We literally had like a presidential debate, right? Like it was, it was really interesting. I didn't get that full debrief McQuilkin. Mm. Well, I shared the points, the bullet points, the gist. Fair enough. enough. Of what I learned. But Mm -hmm. in terms of the experience, yeah, he's got a good thing going. Um, Have you had the opportunity, even over Zoom, to bring some of those tools and principles into your professional communication, whether that's leading up or leading down towards your athletes? Ooh, um, yes and no. I think all those games for sure could be applied via Zoom, but I think that like the real magic is in face-to-face and we have not yet had that opportunity. Um, again, fingers crossed we're, we're, we're back to that soon, but I've noticed a shift in myself just communicating with my family and my friends. Like I've, I've even made them play some of the games with me. Like uh, you have to respond to what that person said using the last letter of the last word that they say, you know, and that like really forces you to listen, which is pretty cool. Uh, or uh, we were laughing, uh, you know, when we were at this thing, we played this game called electric company where you got to like say two, Oh, say a word. And the person next to you says the first word they think of when they hear that word. And, um, text, what was it? It was, Oh, the f- one person said cream. And the next person said house. <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> You know, and so like that game is really fun to play, especially after you've had a few beers. But um, yeah, like I can see how this would be great. I just haven't had a chance to implement it in person in the way that I would want to yet. Yeah. Another game I enjoyed that just had recall for was the problem solving or something along Mm. those lines where. Let's see, Allie, I'll give you a problem since you know the game. Um, My truck won't start. Okay. 
people aren't you supposed to give me isn't the second oh, person supposed to I give me a thing so you give me a problem and then uh the second person gives me a thing like a, a noun and i somehow have to use that thing to solve my problem right. yeah bucket bucket okay i'll use this bucket to uh, pour some water on a car that's driving by so they can pick me up i don't know so mm -hmm. you just are forcing some creative connections of make some nonsense solution mm -hmm. fill that bucket with gasoline pour it on that bucket of bolts and light that bitch on fire get yourself a prius <laughs> well <laughs> there you come go. on man i mean i like what, what's funny is that, that this is literally lateral thinking like um you know is is when you're getting stuck on an answer is like you think about something so ridiculous that it like unsticks you right like um some you know some ideas of, around lateral thinking are okay when you when you get stuck like go into a dictionary and find the first word you can find and like you have to use that word to um somehow solve your problem or you have to use it in association with the sentence that you're talking about another one is like um whatever your problem is think of a solution that like literally would never work so like okay my dog's barking well i'm gonna rip out its vocal cords mm -hmm. and like because you, you go so extreme to the other end like it actually like you eliminate the barrier of possibilities right you're like okay well now the whole thing everything's out on the table now everything goes right like it's not just the typical solutions that you're coming up with so I, that's what i liked about that problem solving game is like you have to solve it using something that you would never solve it with and that's literally the point that we're that we're trying to get to here is instead of using the same things to fix our problems let's go find some other ones mm -hmm. and then i know so brett has been in that domain and lane of trying to shift or tilt the paradigm of the, of the coaching, right? Team coaching or private coaching, right? And he's starting to creep out of that. So then who, who is like throughout this, did you guys get a chance to, to pick his brain on where he sees this in terms of an intended audience or how are, I'm sure it's going to have like maybe a wide audience, like different personas that would roll in. But like, so you go to this thing, then what? You just go back and you play these games with the crew and then that becomes part of like the lexicon, so to speak. And then you guys have a common language within the, the dynamic to, to either problem solve or laterally think in terms of like a group think dynamic or is it an individual? Like, is it to expand your capability to communicate as an individual on a one-to-one, one-to-many, et cetera? I think it's, I think it's both. I think it was first to show you your shortcomings as a communicator. Mm -hmm. So we did get some pretty good feedback. We got like a full like seven, you know, category assessment, which was really cool. Um, and also just to like alert you to the fact that we're not as good as we think we are as communicators. And then he definitely gave us, you know, all the constraints and the games, you know, that you can play with, this is probably best suited for a staff, you know, that's trying to become better communicators. I don't know if I would like necessarily play these games with my athletes right off the bat. Mm -hmm. You could definitely play a couple of them, but I think if you're like a director and you're trying to, you know, enhance your, your staff's communication dynamic, this would be a really good way to do it. You know, like he gave us the, the, the tools and the skill sets and the different ways that you could create a couple different um, dynamics where you could practice this stuff. And then also a lot, a lot of it was role-playing, which I think is something that could definitely be helpful back in like an applied setting is, Hey, like what's the situation that we're all dealing with that we struggle with and then, okay, let's role-play it. But like, then we'll add constraints. So like 
you, you two are sitting at the table talking and your problem is that um, you don't agree on uh, who's going to take out the trash later. And then you like add the constraint of, so Tex, obviously it's going to be you, but like you add the constraint of, well, you can't use your hands when you're having this conversation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or only questions. Yeah. And it, does, so in terms of that communication, I'll go, 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 go finish it to, I mean the, the potential, if you're thinking, if you have a growth mindset is endless, if you are in a leadership role and we need to create a lane of communication, say we, we have an intern and they are scared of us to say, I don't know the red eye warm up mm-hmm. instead of they're afraid to say no or tell us no then we can bring a barrier down or create a lane of communication that is now open or up. So rather than playing games up, you can apply some of these personal constraints to improve your ability as an individual. Like Ali said, you can't use your hands, but uh, it could be using the last letter. So you're trying all these different things. And I like the only question that you're you're always asking answering questions with a question to help frame their mindset and there's also adding new information in he's got a he's got like a 50 go a bunch of them but it's games i think help connection between the team or leading down but then slight constraints to challenge yourself to improve your ability to then lead up from my perspective my suspicion would be that a major gap in that communications loop is probably listening. Was that a, a common theme in like in this dynamic? And I would imagine specifically within the paradigm of coaching, it is the coach's ability to listen. Yes. And the finishing or starting the sentence with the next, the last letter mm-hmm. of the word they use that is, almost a tool or a trick to help force you to listen. Yeah. Yeah. So there are little listening things and there, there was a lot of depth in the listen. And one of the games, like one of the circle games, alley, like the one, one word story, when we'd mm-hmm. all go around and introduce one word and all of us as individuals were just saying random verbs and nouns and adjectives and then 10 people in, you're like, what the fuck are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Versus mm-hmm. us listening 10 people back. And when it gets to us, we're adding value to the story versus just doing nonsense. our ticking our box. Yeah. So different listening. It's like one of those implied uh, practical pieces that goes a lot longer than just saying this is what you do. Mm-hmm. So it forced us into that scenario, and he called us out because we definitely sucked. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think it, it it also showed that when you're uncomfortable and you're self conscious about what you're saying, you're not listening to what anybody else is thinking. And I was definitely finding myself. I was like, I'm so uncomfortable. I don't want to make a fool of myself. And I had forgotten already what person next to me had already said, because either I was like trying to be funny and I was like, I'm not funny. I don't know why I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> um, or I was like, you know, trying to be witty or, or whatever, instead of just listening and responding to what they're saying as a human. And that's all that was required. Uh-huh. But as humans, like one the second, you get uncomfortable, you like lock down, right? You're like ego defense mode. 
or you like are trying to like go above and beyond because it's a game. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely like that self-awareness was like, oh, duh. You know, like this is no different than when I'm actually having a conversation. Just like listen, hear what they're saying and respond to that instead of trying to like outdo them or one up them. Mm-hmm. Solid. And, yeah. And his course here is an example of rioting the gray when he pulled from a different field of improv comedy to now help coaches, leaders in business mm-hmm. work on their communication and limitation rather than just the, well, I told you to do it. You got to do it. Mm-hmm style so in terms of expansion i feel he's aiming to go after that leadership hungry crowd i mean it's a whole section in a bookstore so a lot of opportunity for people to improve and it's so practical that i mean Mm -hmm. you're forced to learn that in person Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting cool where we at now well Allie, any other uncomfortable things that you expose yourself to other than, well, how about goal, uncomfortable goals that once you're back into the, the coaching realm and between the rack that you can set out? So COVID doesn't exist anymore. What are those goals that you foresee to challenge yourself like an improv class maybe? Well, to be honest with you, it kind of goes along with COVID, but because of COVID, my role completely shifted into, you know, what, what can I actually affect with that, our athletes, right? It wasn't, it wasn't their physical. It, it really wasn't. Like I could, you know, send programs out into the cloud. I had no idea if they were doing them, right? So I was like, okay, reevaluate. What, what can I actually affect right now? And what I, what I came to is um, supporting them, empowering them, and helping them use their platform you know, right now we have, you know, our girls are really lucky girls, women, our women are really lucky in that, you know, they have a great platform as Stanford women's basketball players and Stanford women's golfers. And especially in light of everything that's kind of happened with the racial injustice stuff, my role has really been to listen and help them figure out a way to continue using that platform for good. And, you know, one way that I kind of, you know, decided was the best way I could affect change right now is to get them all registered to vote. (laughs) Um, So my goal was, and actually just completed was to get our whole team registered to vote. And we are, so that, that was a pretty cool um, thing to, to get going. But I think that's kind of reframed what going into actual basketball season, what this will look like, right? It's, it maybe was going to be more about strength numbers or return to play or who's the fastest kid. And in previous years, that maybe was going to be what I hung my hat on or even communication stuff. But I think now it's um, a little bit more about listening, hearing the athlete and what, what they are interested in doing and what, what is important to them besides just getting stronger. Because I think right now it's a lot more than that. Um, And instead of seeing my role as only a strength coach, just because I've been told that's my role, providing value where I see a need to provide value. And that was, you know, getting them to use their platform, vote, whatever it is. And who knows what that's going to be going forward, but that's what it was. And that was, that was something I was really excited by that just happened recently. In line with that, you're, you got asked to join this new league. I'll call it a league of extraordinary coaches, coaches for change. Can you explain that? component and the mission? Yeah. 
So that this kind of all happened in conjunction with each other, but a good friend of mine, um, Molly Benetti, who actually was with us in um, Charleston during the Brett's apprenticeship. She's the strength coach at South Carolina for women's basketball, you know, decent program, I guess, if you're into winning. Um, but she, she turned me on to this organization through Matt Johnson at Butler and um, got introduced to a bunch of strength coaches, but mostly like actual basketball coaches, assistants, heads, associate heads for men and women. I don't know. I don't know the final count of how many are involved now, but I got to think it's close to a hundred. Um, and the whole goal right now is to get all basketball teams in the country registered to vote hundred percent. And um, I think they've got this incredible website. Like it's like literally like the most aesthetically beautiful, like interactive website that tells you, Hey, are you registered? Here's how to register. What are the issues that are on the ballot for you? Um, you know, here's some Netflix documentaries. You can watch podcasts, listen to news articles to read. And the best part is it's not partisan, right? Like that's where this gets really tricky is as a strength coach, like, where's your role? Like, you don't want to like tell kids what to do. And you certainly don't want it to be partisan because that's really polarizing right now. And that's also not my job. And I, I think I laughed on because it was everybody should vote, right? Regardless of who you're going to vote for. That's like just a, it's an American right or not right, but a privilege. And um, getting them to see that and understand that they do have an ability to voice and impact change was a really cool kind of initiative to spearhead. And I love this idea of, it starts small, obviously it's just basketball coaches, but it's got to start somewhere and having this, like, like you said, league, you know, of we have zoom calls every week where we talk about what's preventing people from voting, especially young people. Um, you know, it's like th they make cool graphics. So, you know, obviously our kids get behind that and um, it's just been a, a really encouraging, it feels bigger than sport, which is, I think something that I've really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And it's coaches, the number four change.org. Yes. Yeah. Is, is the website the, and it looks pretty cool. And you can like literally like with a, with your cursor, like break this glass. I don't know. I really got into that because I was like, you know, <laughs> back to, you know, me just strength coach. <laughs> the cleaver. Yeah. The cleaver. That's so funny. I've like literally never said that before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that came to me. I'm actually a pescatarian too right now. So it's like, what am I doing? Uh, cleaving. You're just cleaving things. Cleave. I, you know, you got to cleave fish too. Yeah. Fish, fish need cleaving. <laughs> that, is that the show quote? That is the show <laughs> quote. That would people be like, what the hell were they talking about? <laughs> well, they got to listen now. I know. What else we got? McQuilkin? How about you, you Allie? What else you got up for us? I don't know. It's just been a been a good conversation, guys. I I think it's a it's it's never good to talk more than uh, you have things to talk about. Hmm. So if this is where we leave it, then maybe we leave it here. One last question. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Book recommendations for our listeners out there, not in line with strength and conditioning. Ooh. Good one. Um, okay. So I have two. One is, okay, I literally just finished listening to this. It took me on audiobook 
the equivalent of 37 walks around the block with my dog and or 30 hours of audiobook on speed 1.5. So just so you know, it's a long one. But The Fountainhead. The Fountainhead is an incredible, it's fiction, but it talks about the idea of individualism versus collectivism and how we like to copy and follow and do things to make others happy when in reality if you look historically anybody that's ever created anything of value or that made a difference or changed things significantly they did it before it was cool before it was accepted and they often got a lot of pushback and it was really uncomfortable for them but they were willing to risk it because they knew like you know somewhere deep inside that it was worth it and I think that was something I really resonated with that I'm, I'm tr- like, it's really hard for me to accept that I have in the past, maybe, you know, gone with what's like the fad and all that. Um, and then reality to make a difference, you're going to have to stand on your own um, and know why you're doing what you're doing and know it's going to hold up um, even if others doubt you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that message really resonated with me, but sorry, that was really deep. Um, another good one is perennial seller by Ryan, Ryan holiday, who just talks about like the art of selling. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's incredible. Mm. Basically if, if you want something to last, he talks about like, you know, like Bon Jovi, like how has this dude managed to survive for like, he's still like on the record charts or the Titanic. Like, why do we still watch the Titanic? If you want to make something that lasts, here's what you need to do to create it and then market it. So mm-hmm. um, both really good books that don't have to do with strength and conditioning. The the Fountainhead, I just looked this up and I didn't know this, but it's Ayn Rand. Oh, yeah. Atlas Shrugged. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, I'm like, I'm year 13 into trying to finish Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> We need another dog. I, I guess. Well, I'm not. I'm not audio booking it. Maybe if I just audio booked it. A buddy. A buddy. I guess my first job out of college. Crazy Eddie. He was called Crazy Eddie because his name was Eddie. He's crazy. Um, he gave me that book. He's like, read this. It'll it'll explain everything. And like, oh I just God. don't read. Like number one, I am not a super proficient reader, which is not an excuse not to. Um, and I tried to. I've been for like over a decade turning pages on this thing just out of pure principle now is like, I'm the type of dude too. like almost everything, almost everything I get into is like a uh, breakfast skillet. Like I am not going to leave a scrap. I need to clean the plate. Like that is (laughs) just my mindset. This is one that I just had like one day text. It'll be on my, it'll be on my deathbed. You'll be there reading my you googly, and uh, I'll be turning that last page. Are you googleizer? <laughs> Two things on that. One, they have a movie. Uh, watched part of it and just shut it down. I haven't seen it. Okay, I'd rather. I think I'd rather listen to the book. I was for a long time, Allie. I was down on fiction. Like I would take oh, yeah? your your Ryan Holiday book and go buy it today, read it up, and like. Give myself a little thumbs up, pat on the back for you learned something. But I've recently, I went back to my high school reading list, which was Mm -hmm. primarily fiction, right? We we had The Catcher in the Rye, Great Gatsby. uh, What's the one? Abel Magwitch. uh, Man, forget this one. Uh, Great Expectations. Uh, And another one, man, who's the lawyer? Adkis Finch. 
Killer oh, yeah. Mockingbird. Um, yeah, the Killer Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. Going back into these fictional stories and with the objective in line with my comfort zone sharing earlier, uh, experience and empathizing with other people's feelings and expressions. So fiction has this power to now you are literally walking a mile in another person's shoes and their experiences and what they're thinking and feeling if it's that that first person narrator perspective and that's something that I had lost for a long time but recently got back into and I'll check out this fountainhead oh but that 30 hour 1.5 Read well. Well, Good news is I read slower than that. I know, no shocker. (laughs) Well, isn't that fascinating though? That we like get. I feel like a lot of us get away from fiction and then we like rediscover it and we're like, oh man, where has this been? Mm -hmm. But like the that art of storytelling is really alive in fiction that you miss out on a nonfiction. And you know, I think even Brett talks about this a lot. But um, like knowing the the mechanics of a story can be so crucial for good communication and talking to people and like understanding how to package things in a way that will make them want to do it or hear it. Right. It's storytelling is an undervalued skill. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there you have it listeners. You got any more one last questions over there, Tex? Tex, you didn't, you didn't answer what your, uh, your kitchen appliances. My kitchen appliance, I mean, big fan of the skillet. Very, you just, I'm there and you don't realize how valuable I am until I'm not. Disagree. (laughs) Can I tell you what you are? (laughs) Tex. A toaster. Is a crock pot. I'm a crock pot? Slow cooker. Because what should take 15 minutes takes McQuilkin eight hours on low. <laughs> yeah, I'm a slow thinker. Yeah. Which is why I... Symbology text. Symbolism. But it turns out really, really, really good. Yeah. It should. Boom. Yeah. Well, carnitas. Hey, if you, if you spin me up some crispy carnitas, buddy, you're my favorite appliance in the, in the whole we, collection. Yeah. When you're not allergic to pepper. Mm-hmm. So you're going with skillet? I... Yeah. What just, size? What size? I do need a bigger one. I just... Yeah, you need 12 inch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I have 12. I need bigger. 14? Well, I... <laughs> oh, maybe I have a 12. No, I... I think you have a 10. Well, no, I have a iron, a cast iron that's very small. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. But then I have a regular Oh, you're one. thinking like non-sticks frying pan. Yeah, I'm a frying pan. Like the thing that you make a... Like, pancakes on like that kind of skillet like the like long rectangular ones oh, i could do that no texas toast saying a frying pan well i'm planning ahead I'm <laughs> is that what you call it in texas no a, a skillet a flapjack maker so a skillet now i'm lost what is a skillet i thought this is oh, a, gr- a griddle a griddle yeah, is okay what so I you're thinking, thinking griddle so you pull me off skillet i think you all, like I think a skillet doesn't have edges. A, pot, a pan has edges. A skillet is flat, and a pot has high edges. Okay, definitely not a pot. Okay. No edges. So you're going no edges? Well, like I'm, I'm flat like the earth. You're <laughs> not edgy. I'm not edgy like the earth. Mm-hmm. 
Wait, no. <laughs> the Earth has edges. Dang it. Yes. The, yeah, I'm just gearing up for Friendsgiving and prepping mm-hmm, my kitchen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> months around the corner. It's, it'll be here before we know it. I know it. Well, Allie, thank you so much for hopping on and chatting with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If, uh, if listeners want to come creep on you, where do they find you on social? Where can they find Ride the Gray? Yeah, um, social, I think Instagram, I'm Kirshner.Allie. Instagram, oh wait, I already just said that. <laughs> Twitter, I'm not on Twitter. Don't try to find me on Twitter. Um, but Ride the Gray, I think it's Instagram, Twitter um, are both at Ride the Gray, gray with an E, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't spell gray with an E. I did not know that, but that's definitely the right way. So um, yeah, find us, find us there. And we have a website too. I think it's um, Ride the Gray dot simplecast.com okay sweet and thank you thanks for having me guys thank you thank you thank you power athlete nation for listening to another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning until next time Bye. bye bye Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can follow Coach Allie Kirshner on Instagram at kirshner.ally, as well as her podcast, Ride the Gray, at Ride the Gray. You can listen to the podcast at ridethegray.simplecast. Until next time, bye! <laughs>